Section 5 of 100 Proofs that the Earth is Not a Globe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. 100 Proofs that the Earth is Not a Globe by William Carpenter. Proof 86. If the Earth were a globe rolling and dashing through space, at the rate of a hundred miles in five seconds of time, the waters of seas and oceans could not, by any known law, be kept on its surface. The assertion that they could be retained under these circumstances being an outrage upon human understanding and credulity. But as the earth, that is, the habitable world of dry land, is found to be standing out of the water and in the water of the mighty deep, whose circumferential boundary is ice, we may throw the statement back into the teeth of those who make it and flaunt before their faces the flag of reason and common sense, inscribed with a proof that the earth is not a globe. 87. The theory of a rotating and revolving earth demands a theory to keep the water on its surface. But as the theory which is given for this purpose is as much opposed to all human experience as the one which it is intended to uphold, it is an illustration of the miserable makeshifts to which astronomers are compelled to resort and affords a proof that the earth is not a globe. 88. If we could, after our minds had once been opened to the light of truth, conceive of a globular body on the surface of which human beings could exist, the power, no matter by what name it be called, that would hold them on would then necessarily have to be so constraining and cogent that they could not live. The waters of the oceans would have to be as a solid mass, for motion would be impossible. But we not only exist, but live and move, and the water of the ocean skips and dances like a thing of life and beauty. This is proof that the earth is not a globe. 89. It is well known that the law regulating the apparent decrease in the size of objects as we leave them in the distance, or as they leave us, is very different with luminous bodies, from what it is in the case of those which are non-luminous. Sail past the light of a small lamp in a rowboat on a dark night, and it will seem to be no smaller when a mile off than it was when close to it. Proctor says, in speaking of the sun, his apparent size does not change, far off or near, and then he forgets the fact. Mr. Proctor tells us subsequently that if the traveller goes so far south that the north star appears on the horizon, the sun should therefore look much larger if the earth were a plane. Therefore, he argues, the path followed cannot have been the straight course, but a curved one. Now, since it is nothing but common scientific trickery to bring forward as an objection to stand in the way of a plain earth, the non-appearance of a thing which has never been known to appear at all, it follows that unless that which appears to be trickery were an accident, it was the only course open to the objector to trick.
mr proctor in a letter to the english mechanic for october the twentieth eighteen seventy one boasts of having turned a recent convert to the zetetic philosophy by telling him that his arguments were all very good but that it seems as though mark the language the sun ought to look nine times larger in summer and mr proctor concludes thus he saw indeed that in his faith in parallax he had written himself down an ass well then trickery or no trickery on the part of the objector the objection is a counterfeit a fraud no valid objection at all and it follows that the system which does not purge itself of these things is a rotten system and the system which it advocates with mr proctor at their head would crush if they could find a weapon to use the zetectic philosophy of parallax is destined to live this is a proof that the earth is not a globe ninety is water level or is it not was a question once asked of an astronomer practically yes theoretically no was the reply now when theory does not harmonize with practice the best thing to do is to drop the theory it is getting too late now to say so much the worse for the facts to drop the theory which supposes a curved surface to standing water is to acknowledge the facts which form the basis of zetetic philosophy and since this will have to be done sooner or later it is a proof that the earth is not a globe ninety one by actual observation says schoedler in his book of nature we know that the other heavenly bodies are spherical hence we unhesitatingly assert that the earth is so also this is a fair sample of all astronomical reasoning when a thing is classed amongst other things the likeness between them must first be proven it does not take a schoedler to tell us that heavenly bodies are spherical but the greatest astronomer of the age will not now dare to tell us that the earth is an attempt to prove it now since no likeness has ever been proven to exist between the earth and the heavenly bodies the classification of the earth with the heavenly bodies is premature unscientific false this is a proof that earth is not a globe ninety two there is no inconsistency in supposing that the earth does move round the sun says the astronomer royal of england certainly not when theoretical astronomy is all supposition together the inconsistency is in teaching the world that the thing supposed is a fact since then the motion of the earth is supposition only since indeed it is necessary to suppose it at all it is plain that it is a fiction and not a fact and since mobility and sphericity stand or fall together we have before us a proof that earth is not a globe ninety three we have seen that astronomers to give us a level surface on which to live have cut off one half of the globe in a certain picture in their books now astronomers having done this one half of the substance of their spherical theory is given up since then the theory must stand or fall in its entirety it has rarely fallen when the half is gone nothing remains then but a plain earth which is of course a proof that the earth is not a globe
94. In Cornell's geography, there is an illustrated proof of the form of the Earth. A curved line on which is represented a ship in four positions as she sails away from an observer is an arc of 72 degrees or one-fifth of the supposed circumference of the globe, about 5,000 miles. Ten such ships as those which are given in the picture would reach the full length of the arc, making 500 miles as the length of the ship. The man in the picture, who is watching the ship as she sails away, is about 200 miles high, and the tower from which he takes an elevated view at least 500 miles high. These are the proportions, then, of men, towers and ships, which are necessary in order to see a ship in her different positions as she rounds the curve of the great hill of water over which she is supposed to be sailing. For it must be remembered that this supposed proof depends upon lines and angles of vision which, if enlarged, would still retain their characteristics. Now, since ships are not built 500 miles long with masts in proportion, and men are not quite 200 miles high, it is not what it is said to be, a proof of rotundity, but either an ignorant farce or a cruel piece of deception. In short, it is a proof that the earth is not a globe. 95. In Cornell's Intermediate Geography, 1881, page 12, is an illustration of the natural divisions of land and water. This illustration is so nicely drawn that it affords at once a striking proof that earth is a plane. It is true to nature and bears the stamp of no astronomer artist. It is a pictorial proof that earth is not a globe. 96. If we refer to the diagram in Cornell's Geography, page 4, and notice the ship in its position, the most remote from the observer, we shall find that, though it is about 4,000 miles away, it is the same size as the ship that is nearest to him, distant about 700 miles. This is an illustration of the way in which astronomers ignore the laws of perspective. This course is necessary, or they would be compelled to lay bare the fallacy of their dogmas. In short, there is in this matter a proof that the earth is not a globe. 97. Mr. Hind, the English astronomer, says, The simplicity with which the seasons are explained by the revolution of the earth in her orbit and the obliquity of the ecliptic may certainly be adduced as a strong presumptive proof of the correctness of the Newtonian theory. For on no other rational suppositions with respect to the relations of the earth and sun can these and other as well-known phenomena be accounted for. But, as true philosophy has no suppositions at all, and has nothing to do with suppositions, and the phenomena spoken of are thoroughly explained by facts, the presumptive proof falls to the ground, covered with the ridicule it so richly deserves, and out of the dust of Mr. Heinz's rational suppositions, we see standing before us a proof that earth is not a globe. 98. Mr. Hind speaks of the astronomer watching a star as it is 
carried across the telescope by the diurnal revolution of the earth now this is nothing but downright absurdity no motion of the earth could possibly carry a star across a telescope or anything else if the star is carried across anything at all it is the star that moves not the thing across which it is carried besides the idea that the earth if it were a globe could possibly move in an orbit of nearly six hundred million of miles with such exactitude that the crosshairs in a telescope fixed on its surface would appear to glide gently over a star millions of millions of miles away is simply monstrous whereas with a fixed telescope it matters not the distance of the stars though we suppose them to be as far off as the astronomer supposes them to be for as mr proctor himself says the further away they are the less they will seem to shift why in the name of common sense should observers have to fix their telescopes on solid stone bases so that they should not move a hair's breadth if the earth on which they fix them move at the rate of nineteen miles in a second indeed to believe that mr proctor's mass of six thousand million 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 tons is rolling surging flying darting on through space forever with a velocity compared with which a shot from a cannon is a very slow coach with such unerring accuracy that a telescope fixed on granite pillars in an observatory will not enable a lynx-eyed astronomer to detect a variation in its onward motion of the thousandth part of a hair's breadth is to conceive a miracle compared with which all the miracles on record put together would sink into utter insignificance captain r j morrison the late compiler of zadkyle's almanac says we declare that this motion is all mere bosh and that the arguments which uphold it are when examined with an eye that seeks for truth only mere nonsense and childish absurdity since then these absurd theories are of no use to men in their senses and since there is no necessity for anything of the kind in zetetic philosophy it is a strong presumptive proof as mr hind would say that the zetetic philosophy is true and therefore a proof that the earth is not a globe ninety nine mr hind speaks of two great mathematicians differing only fifty-five yards in the estimate of the earth's diameter why sir john herschel in his celebrated work cuts off four hundred and eighty miles of the same thing to get round numbers this is like splitting a hair on one side of the head and shaving all the hair off on the other oh science can there be any truth in a science like this all the exactitude in astronomy is in practical astronomy not theoretical centuries of observation have made practical astronomy a noble art and science based as we have a thousand times proved it to be on a fixed earth and we denounce this pretended exactitude on one side and the reckless indifference to figures on the other as the basest trash and take from it a proof that the science which tolerates it is a false instead of being an exact science and we have a proof that the earth is not a globe one hundred the sun as he travels round over the surface of the earth 
brings noon to all places on the successive meridians which he crosses. His journey being made in a westerly direction, places east of the sun's position have had their noon, whilst places to the west of the sun's position have still to get it. Therefore, if we travel easterly, we arrive at those parts of the earth where time is more advanced. The watch in our pocket has to be put on, or we may be said to gain time. If, on the other hand, we travel westerly, we arrive at places where it is still morning. The watch has to be put back, and it may be said that we lose time. But, if we travel easterly so as to cross the 180th meridian, there is a loss there of a day, which will neutralize the gain of a whole circumnavigation, and, if we travel westerly and cross the same meridian, we experience the gain of a day, which will compensate for the loss during a complete circumnavigation in that direction. The fact of losing or gaining time in sailing round the world then instead of being evidence of the earth's rotundity as it is imagined to be in its practical exemplification and everlasting proof that the earth is not a globe and what then what then no intelligent man will ask the question and he who may be called an intellectual man will know that the demonstration of the fact that the earth is not a globe, is the grandest snapping of the chains of slavery that ever took place in the world of literature or science. The floodgates of human knowledge are opened afresh, and an impetus is given to investigation and discovery, where all was stagnation, bewilderment, and dreams. Is it nothing to know that infidelity cannot stand against the mighty rush of the living water of truth that must flow on and on, until the world shall look up once more, to him that stretched out the earth above the waters, to him that made great lights, the sun to rule by day, the moon and stars to rule by night? Is it nothing to know and to feel that the heavenly bodies were made for man, and that the monstrous dogma of an infinity of worlds is overthrown for ever? The old-time English Family Herald for July 25th, 1885, says in its editorial that the earth's revolution on its own axis was denied against Galileo and Copernicus by the whole weight of the Church of Rome. And in an article on The Pride of Ignorance too, the editor not knowing that if the earth had an axis to call its own, which the Church well knew it had not, and therefore could not admit, it would not revolve on it, and that the theoretical motion on an axis is that of rotation and not revolution. Is it nothing to know that the whole weight of the Church of Rome was thrown in the right direction, although it has swayed back again like a gigantic pendulum that will regain its old position before long? Is it nothing to know that the pride of ignorance is on the other side? Is it nothing to know that with all the Bradlaughs and Ingersolls of the world telling us to the contrary, biblical science is true? Is it nothing to know that we are living on a body at rest, and not upon a heavenly body whirling and dashing through space in every conceivable way, and with a velocity utterly inconceivable? 
is it nothing to know that we can look steadfastly up to heaven instead of having no heaven to look up to at all is it nothing indeed to be in the broad daylight of truth and to be able to go on towards a possible perfection instead of being wrapped in the darkness of error on the rough ocean of life and finding ourselves stranded at last god alone knows where baltimore maryland usa august eighteen eighty five end of section five